Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is gonna be fresh, it's gonna be real, and it's gonna be powerful. It's gonna help you to grow stronger in your walk with God, it's gonna put faith on the inside of you, it's gonna cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word, God bless you. I'm really excited about the message this morning and how many people were here on Wednesday night? We had um, my husband, Marco, speaking and it was a message called Pregnant with a Promise. And today's a little bit of part two of that message. Don't worry, you can go back and podcast it if you missed it. But it's called Birthing the Promise. And I've really labored over this word because I feel like it's a word that's in season for everybody in this house today. And not because, oh, you're going to say, oh, it's just such a good word, but it's really, I believe, going to help us to step into the next season and to step into everything that God has for us. Um, Because it's true, each person in this room, we are called to birth the promises of God in the earth, the purposes of God, the calling of God. The Bible says in Jeremiah, before he formed us in our mother's womb, he knew us and he set us apart and he called us, he chose us and he made in the, in, to Jeremiah, it said a prophet to the nations. But what about you? What is the calling that's on your life, the destiny that's on your family, the things that you have yet to see come to pass? God is calling us to birth those things. So Many of us were pregnant with the promise, but I feel the Holy Spirit today is going to help us to give birth because I see this picture of some of us have been going through a difficult season. We've been going through some intensity and maybe the pressure has been turned up. We've been walking through some difficult things, but I hear this Holy Spirit say, be encouraged. This is not an attack from the devil, but this is actually labor pains. You have begun labor. You have begun to birth the very thing that God called you to birth. So I want you to turn to your neighbor, tell him, I'm in labor this morning. Turn to your other neighbor, say, the baby is coming. We are all spiritual birthing persons, people in the house, in the least woke way possible. But um, the thing about a woman when she is in labor, any ladies had a baby in the house, anybody supported somebody in the room before when they were birthing a baby, you come to this really intense point of pain and I don't know about you but I remember thinking you know what never mind I don't want to do it I, I I changed my mind I know I wanted the baby but I I'm scared this is way too much this is not what I expected and I would like to just tap out now and wake me up when it's over but how many of you know we don't have that option same in the natural same in the spiritual when God has put something inside of us and he's called us to birth something when we begin to experience the contractions and the pressure and the pain, it's actually a sign to us that something is coming, something new. You're going to have new dreams. You're going to have, I really believe, even ministries. Some of you are pregnant with ministries. Some of you are pregnant with things that have been hidden in your heart for many, many, many seasons. Come on, new relationships, answered prayers. They're inside of you this morning. And we are like in the spiritual delivery room today. We're all in it together. And we are not going to let you tap out, okay? We're going to push this baby out together because... 
It's true. Many people get to a point of pressure and a point of testing and a point of pain in their walk and their journey with the Lord. And in our immaturity, we oftentimes will see that as this is a sign we're not going the right direction. Or this, you know, the attacks are too intense. I don't have the support I need around me. My faith, you know, hasn't grown to that level yet. And so I haven't been able to discern that this is actually a good thing. This is actually something that God has allowed. And I really believe that we will go through points of pain that are actually tests from the Lord. And so not everything, not every difficult circumstance you face is a sign that something is wrong, but I want you to see it through the lens this morning that you're about to go to the next level and there are going to be some tests that you have to pass before you can hold that baby in your arms, that beautiful miracle, that harvest season that's coming. So we are going to talk about um, the story of Joseph this morning, and it's about 10 chapters at the end of Genesis, and there is a lot in this story. If you've been around church for any length of time, you've heard about Joseph. If you haven't, it's okay. Go home and read it, but we are going to just skim the surface today um, because there's so much here, and the thing about Joseph is he was a man who was called by God. God gave him dreams and visions. It said God showed him things that were yet to come. He was living in his father's house. He was the favorite. He had favor on his life. He was blessed. He was favored. He was called to greatness. But before he stepped into the fulfillment of everything God wanted to do through him in the earth, he had to go through some pain. He had to go through some testing in the course of his lifetime. And I want to look at his life a little bit and see what we can draw from it. Because how many of you know the Bible? It's not just a good story. It's not just a historical account of some awesome things that happened, but it is life and it has the power to transform us, to change everything this morning. All right, so we're gonna get into three little tests of pain. And the thing about a test is, Contrary to what most of us might think, a test is actually not meant to fail us. It is meant to promote us, right? So at the end of maybe high school or college, and some of you are getting sweaty palms just thinking about final exams, I, ha I have this reoccurring dream, which maybe someone can tell me what it means, but that it's like the end of the semester, and it's, I'm supposed to go take my final exams, and I never went to the class. And I'm like, I don't even know what's on here. Like, why did I do that? Why didn't I go to class? Why didn't I read the book? Anyway, someone can tell me what that means later. But... Um, um, you know, we think that it's meant to fail us, but it's actually meant to promote us to the next level. It's actually meant to show us you're ready to graduate, you've, you've done all that you needed to do, and you can be trusted to go to the next level. And the, the other thing about tests is it will show us where we're not ready. So... I don't know, I took my um, driver's test on my 16th birthday. I was like, this was the peak of my life where I was gonna drive my little white Ford Focus with the pink Roxy sticker, do you remember it? <laughs> on the back, and I was gonna drive it to cheer practice because I passed my driver's test, and so, I was super nervous. Thank God I passed. But how many of you know if I wouldn't have been able to operate this vehicle on the test, they never would have promoted me and given me my license and the ability to experience that blessing because I would not have been ready. Thank God that tests will sometimes show us when we're not ready to handle the blessing and the next season. But the thing about that is you can, you can take the test again, right? It's not like you're never going to drive in your whole life. It's like, you know, there's some things we're going to go through that are going to show us it's not the time, and it really is the grace of God. But I believe everyone in this room, we're going to pass the test, and we're going to go to the next level. So first test we're going to talk about in the life of Joseph is the rejection test. 
also known as the approval test. So um, I believe as Christians, every single person will have to pass this test at some time or another. Some people um, have had a more difficult experience in their past, and it's going to take a little bit more to overcome it. But I believe that every believer will be faced with this on our journey to stepping into everything God has for us. So let's go to Genesis 37, and we're going to read this first little chunk of scripture of Joseph's life. This is the account of Jacob and his family. Jacob is Joseph's dad. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. Parents... Don't do this to your kids. <laughs> just, just be forewarned. Don't have favorites. But um, he gave Jacob, Jacob gave him a special gift, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. So they couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? You think that you'll actually reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way they talked about him, the way he talked about them. And so we see a little pattern, a little thread of rejection in this story. And it's Joseph experienced the rejection of his brothers because his brothers experienced the rejection of their father. And so oftentimes when we go through a difficult situation with people in our lives, it can be early on, when we're younger, it can be, you know, it doesn't really matter the situation, but we'll be faced with this test. And oftentimes our first thought is to think I am being rejected because I am not good enough or I am not worthy or there is something that is wrong with me. That becomes our first lens. And I want to point out that the very reason that Joseph was rejected by his brothers wasn't because of anything that was wrong with him, but it was actually because of what he carried. It was because of the anointing that was on his life. It was because of the giftings that were on the inside of him. It was because God spoke to him and he didn't speak to the brothers. It was because he had his father's favor. And because we are children of God, we are actually going to experience this in our lives. As you lean into the process that God has for you, as you go to the next level, because you carry the favor factor of a father who loves you, of a father who's chosen you, of a father who's filled you with every good gift, as you experience these incredible God stories and promotion, and you hear it all the time from stage, miracle homes and crazy things that God did, it's because we carry the favor of God. But when you are, you know, in your family, sometimes the people closest to you or in your workplace or with your, you know, your friends that you had before you came to church, they might just not be able to handle the favor and the gifting and the blessing that is on your life. They will not understand it. Therefore, they're going to view it through the lens of their own rejection. And so, you know, sometimes I'm just going to say this as well. Sometimes if if we find that we have a stumbling block hearing about other people's success, other people's wins, other people's promotions, and we think, well, must be nice, and we find our default being like, why not me, or thinking through the lens of our own rejection wounds, let's just, let's just stop it. Can we do that? This morning, we're going to get into it a little bit more, but... Um, 
sometimes being in a place where we are experiencing the blessing of God, the transformation in our life, like, you know, you used to hang out with your friends and you used to complain about all the same things, but now those things are kind of looking up in your life and God's beginning to do some things. Your life looks different than it used to look. And some, sometimes it's the bigness of who you are that will reveal to others the smallness of who they think they are. So when I was 16, um, no, I was actually, I was 14. So, you know, like my son is 12. I think about that age. You're very young as a 14-year-old. So this was my first experience really with rejection. And I, um, in all humility, was a very good cheerleader, okay? I know that's very surprising. You would never think that I would do that. But um, that was, cheerleading was like my life when I was this age. And I was a gymnast. And so it was all about the sport. You know, cheerleading is a sport. I can debate you on this later. I don't know if my husband agrees. But it's hard, okay? And um, so I had been doing this my whole life. I was a gymnast. I cheered for Pop Warner. So I'm going into um, high school. And I just graduated middle school, going into high school. And I went to this cheer camp for the school that I was going to attend, the public school. And all week long, it's all of the high schools in San Diego. All week, there's like they're evaluating you and assessing you. And at the end of the camp, um, we're in this big stadium, and they decide that they're going to call all of the cheerleaders who had made it to like the All American round, like the All American Cheer Award. They were going to call us down to the center. And I'm like, this is like my moment. This is everything I've been dreaming about my whole life. And they called my name, and I was like, given the certificate of the All American cheerleader. I was 14. There was all these 18-year-olds, and I felt like, oh my gosh, like I've made it, right? And then they say, we're actually going to award one girl here the award of top All-American cheerleader in the whole district. And you guys, they called my name, and I was like, I have arrived. This is my calling. This is like, you know, my destiny. And I peaked at 14, apparently. But I... It was such a big deal. Like, I felt like, oh, my gosh. Like, I actually have a gift, and I'm actually good at this. And I was 14. There was all these seniors that had been in high school. This is their last year of high school, and I was able to beat them. And so later that summer, I ended up kissing a boy who was already a high schooler. It was a very big deal. It was a terrible kiss. Terrible. The most awkward moment of my life, right? But I had great parents who found out that this had happened. So I was at cheer practice one day, and my parents show up on the field. I'm like, <laughs> like, what are you doing here? And they're like, say goodbye to all your friends. You're not going to this school anymore, and you're going to go to the Catholic school down the street. I'm like, obviously devastated. Like, I went real high to get real low like, within just a few days. My life was over. I'm like, Mom, we're not even Catholic. What are you doing to me? This is the worst moment of my life. And I said, the only way I'll go is if I can also be on that cheer team at the new school. So we met with the principal. They said, yes, of course. Like, we'd love to have you. We'll make sure you get on the team. I had already missed tryouts, but don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to be on the team. So I agreed to go to the school, show up to practice for a few days. I realized nobody is talking to me. Everyone's kind of like doesn't want anything to do with me, and suddenly I get called into the headmaster's office with the cheer coach and my parents, and they said, we're so sorry that we have to tell you this, but um, your daughter is not going to be allowed to cheer this year with us, and I know we already told you, but here's the thing. Um, they called a parent meeting. All the parents got together, and they protested your daughter coming on the team. I'm 14. And they said, it's not fair that she's so good, and... 
Um, if she's on the field, my daughter will not be getting any attention. And it's her senior year, it's their senior year, and they deserve it. So, you know, and so then the cheer coach said, well, you know, I couldn't say no to the parents, so I'm so sorry you're not going to be able to cheer. I want to point this out, like, if it was a football team and they're like, I'm so sorry, you're just such a good quarterback, and we cannot have you taking any attention, so we're going to have you on the bench. This would never happen in, in like, a guy's sport, right? Welcome to the world of cheerleading. But um, so I had to sit that year so devastated, so confused, like, why wouldn't they accept me? Why didn't they want me? But it was actually not because there was something wrong with me, but it was because the gift that was on my life, the abilities that God had put inside of me made the other people in that environment feel insecure and feel small. And so I want to encourage you. I feel like maybe this is resonating with some people in the room. You haven't felt accepted in certain places. You viewed the rejection that you've experienced by even family members. I mean, let's talk about it. The last two, three years of everything that we've been going through, there are people that don't think like us. There are people that don't understand the revelation that you have. There are people that don't understand the way you've chosen to live your life and the principles you've chosen to build your life on. And so rather than come up to your level, they've tried to take you down. They've tried to reject you. They've tried to make you feel like there's something wrong with you, but I want to encourage you. You are actually called by God for great things. So that was Joseph. His brothers, their rejection wound, it was actually an unhealed wound that gave birth to insecurity in their life. So they did not receive the love that their father should have shown him. He had a favorite. It was Joseph. You know, Joseph carried his father's favorite favor and love and special treatment. So they viewed everything in their life through the lens of their own wound of rejection. And it really wasn't anything to do with Joseph, right? It was to do with their own love deficiency that they carried from their father. And I actually have a, a testimony about this of something recent that happened in my life. And I didn't realize that I was walking around with a wound of rejection. I had no idea. And this is oftentimes what'll happen. It'll take a relationship or it'll take a situation where something goes down and you realize, oh my goodness, like I think I might be dealing with this. And so I wanna say you're in good company because many of us have gone through this. Many of us are going through it now. There's not one person that's exempt, but I thought, that's, I have other issues, but that's not my issue. That's what I thought. So any married couples ever have the same fight over and over and over again? Lauren, I see that hand. Thank you for being so bold this morning. I love it. In first service too, everyone raised their hand. I'm like, good, we're all the same. So, you know, it would be like a year would go by. We'd get to the same point of tension. We'd fight about the same things. We'd throw the same shots at each other, the same jabs, and then nothing would get resolved, and we would move on, and then another year, and then another year, and then six years, and then 10 years, and then 14 years. We just celebrated our 14-year wedding anniversary. <laughs> Been together for 20 years, having the same fight. Isn't it awesome, babe? Um, but I would, this is kind of how it would go, and I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable, so I'm trusting you with my um, my testimony here, but I would always think through the lens that Marco didn't love me. And so I didn't realize that I was doing this. I wouldn't have said, my husband doesn't love me. Of course he loves me. I would have said that. But the way that I would have acted in the privacy of like our own marriage or when things would get tense or um, when my insecurities would flare up, I would just say, you never have time for me. It doesn't matter what, what I do. You just, you know, you never love me. You never make time for me. You never do anything for me. Like any ladies ever have a little pity party for yourself. And so every time he would golf, it would be like, well, you have time for your tea time, but you don't have time to take me on a date. Like, and then he's, oh, here we go again, you know, and it would be 
would go around the same mountain and the same mountain and he would say things like, it doesn't matter what I do, you never feel like it's enough. And I would be like, well, tell me one thing you do. Like, what is even one thing that you would do? He's like, one thing I do, yeah, tell me one way that you've loved me in our whole life, you know? And he's like, okay, I can't. And so I would cry, he would take a nap, and, and then we would wake up and it would be like, well, I, you know, we're just gonna keep doing this thing. And so, you know, it would flare up every once in a while, but it was a few weeks ago at Cherished Prayer, and I had started, this was like a little wound that I was kind of ignoring, but over 14 years, how many of you know God is so good that when something's not healed, he'll allow it to resurface so that we can deal with it, because he doesn't want us to live like that. He doesn't walk, want us to walk around with a limp our whole life, and so there was this like layer of dysfunction that had started to flare in my mind, and I kept thinking these horrible things like, you're going to grow apart, and and then, you know, like, what's going to happen to your marriage, and, and I, are we even in love, and like all these I mean, demonic, crazy lies from the devil, but it became this like really loud voice in my mind. And I had a moment at Cherished Prayer where the Lord began to show me this is actually not a problem with your husband and how he is a husband. This is actually a problem with you and your own heart. And it was like, I feel like we both kind of knew that every time we'd fight, but I never wanted to admit it and I never wanted to take responsibility for it. And I just wanted to believe that he was the problem and that I was perfect. Anybody else ever been there? And we're both right, but we can't both be right. So one of us isn't right. Um, I was not in the right. And I felt the Lord showing me like, this is something that, you know, I don't necessarily even know where it came from, from my childhood, from later on in life when we first started dating and we weren't Christians and we had some really tough times. And then I carry this wound into my marriage and it begins to affect my relationship. And so my encouragement to you this morning, if you feel like, you know what, I think I might have a little bit of this wound and it's, I'm seeing it play out in, in my life and in my relationships, is that it is your responsibility to heal your rejection wound. So it's okay that you have it. It's okay that you've walked through some things, but it's not okay to stay that way and to make everybody else in your life pay the price for the deficiency that you feel. And so what was really amazing is that I actually went home and I said, I need to ask you to forgive me because I have put this un um, fair pressure on you to be God in my life that only God can be God. Only God can heal the wounds. You're not responsible for these wounds. I am responsible to get healing from the things that have happened to me. We can't control what happened to us, but we can control how we respond to it. So I asked him to forgive me. I repented before the Lord and I just began to ask the Lord to heal my heart. And it's not, it's not some big complex process. I just began to come out of agreement with a wound of rejection, to come out of agreement with that spirit that had been plaguing me my whole life, that had been tormenting me, and I asked him to heal my heart, to heal my marriage, to heal those, heal those places of my past like only he can do. And so it's our responsibility to heal this wound and to look to God alone. All right, everybody doing good? Take a deep breath. We're gonna move on to point number two, which is not lighter than the first point, but we are gonna go there and it's gonna be so good. So point number two, the offense test. Also the forgiveness test. So we look at the course of Joseph's life, this man called for greatness, called by God, so much potential on the inside of him, called to do great things, and so many freaking opportunities to be offended. And I wanna just read them to you real quick, the tip of the iceberg, Joseph's opportunities for offense. Here we go. His own brothers planned to kill him, 
They sell him to slave traders. They fake his death to their father. He gets promoted from slave to being in charge of Potiphar's household. But Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him when she doesn't get what she wants because Joseph had integrity. She accuses him, falsely accuses him of raping her. They believe her story. Joseph gets thrown in prison. He then interprets two dreams for two other prisoners and says, when you get out of this prison, do not forget me. And they forget him. And we see these massive difficulties that this man of God went through. We see his opportunities for offense. And it almost makes me laugh because of the things that I get offended about or the things that I hear about that people are carrying, offenses they're carrying, because they are nothing compared to the legitimate um, injustices that he suffered, the false accusation, the rejection of his family. Every wound a human being could possibly suffer at the hands of other humans, Joseph went through. And you know, I love going over to our DNA class. Anybody been through DNA? And come on, it's amazing. It's how you get introduced to the church. And I love sitting around tables and hearing stories of people that are new to the church or they're new to their relationship with God and they're just so full of hope and excitement and the stories of like, oh my gosh, you know, God's been doing this in my life and God brought me to the church and everything's been changing and I feel, I'm filled with hope. And, you know, they just have so much life and so much joy on them. And then, you know, you see the lives of many Christians and they sit in a service, they come into the seats and they've been here for quite a while. And there's this little, like murmuring will start to happen. Come on, we've all been there where it's like things like this, little little tiny offenses. And again, this is something that nobody is exempt from. We all walk through this, but it's the test of offense. And it sounds a little bit like this. Let me find it. Um, a comment that we didn't like. Okay, let's compare this to Joseph's life. A comment that we didn't like. Feeling misunderstood overlooked, something wasn't handled how we thought it should be, the always and the never questions. Why do they always say that? Why do they always act like that? How come she never notices me? How come they never ask me? They never invite me? Why does she always dress like that? Why do they always talk about money? How come they always have a God story? How come I never get invited to sit in the front row and we can go on? And this is just a few of them. And they're a little bit funny when you put them all together like that because it sounds pretty silly. But if we're honest, it's things that we actually fight. It's a test that we actually go through on the way to the next level, on the way to our, our breakthrough that we will be tested with. And the Bible actually says, Jesus, this is Jesus, Luke 17, 1, he says to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Impossible. But woe to him through whom they do come. In the NIV, it says, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. So here is a little encouragement in the room. You are going to get triggered, okay? You are going to get triggered in any family, in any community, in any workplace, in any environment that you are in. If you stay long enough and you get to know people long enough and you're on your way to their next level, you are going to get tested with the offense test and you are going to get triggered. So here's the thing. A trigger is actually not a bad thing. The trigger itself is not the problem because Jesus tells us it's impossible that you're going to go through this life without getting triggered. But I used to be a very easily triggered person, and I hated this about myself, and I knew it to be true, and I knew that there was people in, in my world, there were people in my world that had to walk on eggshells around me because I had so many triggers, okay? This is a terrible way to live. I'm very sorry. I'm going to ask you for forgiveness for that as well. Um, but there was a time in my life where triggers are actually unhealed and undealt with wounds. And so 
I began to realize if everybody makes me feel this way and every time I'm in a situation like that, I react this way. The problem is probably not everyone and I'm probably the common denominator. And so I began when I would get that little stumble, that little trigger, that little thing that oh, like just kind of hit me the wrong way. Instead of blaming all of the people that were triggering me in my life, I began to think, why does this trigger me? And that's the question I want you to, to ask yourself this morning. Why does this bother me? Why is this so hard for me? Because I'm in a room full of people that are perfectly fine. None of them are bothered. So why does this bother me? And it's oftentimes unhealed wounds, unhealed wounds of rejection. And I want to read um, what the word offense actually means. So like the trigger's not the problem, but it's when we've been triggered, we don't process it properly, we don't release, we don't process within our heart, we don't process with the Lord or a trusted friend, and we become in a state of being offended. And this is the test that I believe we're all gonna pass today. The word offense in Luke 17, it means, the Greek word means scandalon, which is the part of an animal trap where you attach the bait. So imagine there's a trap out in the forest and you put bait in the trap to lure in the animal and then when they take the bait, the trap closes and the animal is imprisoned, is trapped, and that's the end of its life, pretty much. And so this is actually what the enemy does, especially to Christians, because if I were the devil, and I knew that there was a church full of power, and full of authority, and pregnant with the, the plans, and the purposes, and the miracles of God on the inside of them, I would try to get them offended so that I could trap them from fulfilling their purpose. And so the problem isn't the bait that's in the trap, the problem isn't the fact that we're going to go through things in life, and people are going to say things they don't mean, and things are are going to come up. The problem is when we take the bait and we begin to feast on it and we begin to get sick in our hearts and we begin to not even realize that we are living life in a trap and in a prison of our own pain. And the thing about um, when we're deceived is that we don't know that we're deceived right? That's part of deception is we actually feel justified in our pain. We feel like what happened to us was justified, which most of the time it is. But we start to think that everyone else is the problem and that we are correct because we're deceived. And so we begin to believe that everyone else is wrong, that we're a victim to the things that have happened to us and therefore justified in remaining offended, never able to see our need to release forgiveness and we stay trapped. And so some of us... Um, you know, you go through something and you're like, I'm actually, I'm good, I'm good, I'm okay, I'm good, you know, it happened, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, right? Like, okay, you're good, okay. I can tell you're good, <laughs> like, clearly you're good, right? Um, but then we see the fruit of unforgiveness and the fruit of staying offended pop up in areas of our life. And I'm going to read you this list that I kind of put together of some different things of fruit that will show up in your life if you have remained offended. Hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, strife, grumbling, complaining, bitterness, hatred, envy, insults, attacks, wounding, division, separation, broken relationships, betrayal, backsliding, depression, victim language, and self-pity. And I want to encourage you this morning, remaining offended will take you out. It is what the Bible tells us. If you remain offended, if you do not release forgiveness, if you deny and cover and 
Do not deal with the wound and the pain of being offended. It is gonna take you out. This is a test that we all have to pass. And I guarantee you, as you're about to step into something new, as you're about to go to the next level, as promotion is coming and blessing is coming and you're seeing things work out in your life and you're taking new territory, suddenly the devil will throw his like best attempt he can. And he's like, if I can just get them offended, I can lock them out of the purposes and the plans and the calling and the miracles that God has for them. And so, I want to encourage you today. The only way out is through, right? We're birthing the baby and we're feeling the pains of labor. The only way out is through. We actually don't get to pull back and think that we can escape this test. We have to pass the test. And the only way, the only way, and we hear it a thousand times in church and throughout the Bible, if you'll read the Bible, is the only way out of offense and bitterness and all of these things that I just read is through releasing forgiveness. And I just want to invite um, the keys to come up. And I want to read to you the moment that Joseph, who had experienced the worst traumas, the worst tragedies, the worst betrayals, his own family had left him to die. They hated him for what he carried. They hated him for who he was. They wanted to cancel and abort the assignment that was on his life. Joseph, after a series of events, ends up being the governor of Egypt. He gets sold into slavery. Everywhere he went, everything he did, he rose to the top. He rose to the top. The purposes of God be, you know, no one could stop the purposes of God. No one could stop him from rising to the top in every single circumstance that he found himself in. And so he finds himself second in command under Pharaoh himself in Egypt. And there's a great famine in the land. Um, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream that this was going to happen. He says, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a great famine. There's going to be years of prosperity where we need to save all of our resources. Then there's going to be years of famine and people are going to come to our kingdom. They're going to come to us looking for food because they're going to be in need. So this was his assignment. This was the call of God that was on his life. And this is why the devil had tried to stop him. But there's a moment where now they're all grown. All of his brothers, they come to Egypt, they come looking for grain, looking for food in a time of starvation and famine. And it's just like Joseph's dream, right? That he was gonna rise up and they were gonna bow down and, and you know, doesn't matter what we do, the plans and the purposes of God are gonna come to pass in our life. And we're seeing the fulfillment of this prophetic moment and this prophetic dream. And this is Joseph's heart. So he calls him to come in closer, Genesis 45, Verses four through seven, it says, please come closer. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother. They didn't recognize him, but he knew who they were. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years, it's gonna last five more years and there will neither be plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. He released forgiveness to the people who had wounded him. He knew that his calling was too important. His assignment was too important. There was too much at stake to stay bitter. There was too much at stake to take the bait and to stay trapped and to abort the purposes of, of God in his life, in his generation, in an entire nation. There was too much at at stake but he released forgiveness to his brothers he says it wasn't you it was God and that's the test that I want to end on it's the trust test 
Point number three, the trust test. Genesis 50, it says, you intended, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. He says, you thought you might have crushed me. I know that you think that you did the worst thing, but it wasn't you, it was the hand of God. It was the hand of God who sent me ahead of time. It was the hand of God who used every drama, who used every setback, who used every circumstance to put me at the right place, at the right time, to fulfill my destiny and the assignment of God on my life. So can we look at our story? Can we look at the tests that we've been experiencing in this last season of our life as an opportunity to promote us, to promote us into that harvest season, into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, where we are gonna see our dreams come to pass, where we are gonna see the purposes of God fulfilled through us, not just someone else, not just a pastor on the stage or someone with a title, but of you and your destiny, your calling, your sphere of influence. You have an assignment on your life. And that is why the heat has been turned up. That is why you have been feeling the intensity rising in your life. That is why you've been feeling the resistance because God is about to take you into a new season. So can you trust him? Can you trust him? I wanna read you this scripture, Isaiah 66, nine. Shall I bring, this is God speaking, shall I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Or shall I who gives delivery shut the womb? You are at the point where you're about to give birth to something. And there are so many people of just being a pastor for the time that I have, just being in the house of God, there are so many people that I've watched abort the plans of God for their life because they couldn't stand the, the pressure, they couldn't stand the heat, they couldn't endure the pain that was required of them to birth the very thing that they were believing for, the very thing that they were praying for, the very thing that they, the vision that they had for their life, it would require something of them and it was to pass these tests. And so I wanna just encourage you to look back over your story. Can you see the thread of where you needed to to overcome rejection, where you needed to overcome offense, where God is trying to do something that's bigger than you. See, for Joseph, it wasn't just for him. It wasn't, his dreams were not just about him. They were not just about his family. They were not just about his brothers, but they were for the entire nation of Egypt. So lift up your eyes this morning and begin to receive the plans that God has for you. Begin to receive the visions that he wants to give to you and your household, the things that he's gonna call you to do. I see some of you, stepping into opportunities that were so much bigger than you could have ever dreamed, than you could have ever imagined. They don't look like your history. They look nothing like where you came from. They look nothing like the people that raised you. They look nothing like what you thought your story was gonna be, but God is about to take you into places of influence, to places of consequence, where your yes, where your faith it is required of you, I hear God saying, it is required of you to pass this test. It is required of you to deal with your wound of rejection, to heal, to heal the wounds of your past. Maybe it's not rejection and it's something else. God is saying, it's time to heal. It's time to move forward. It's time to come into alignment with what I wanna do in your life. So I just wanna invite everyone in the room to stand this morning. And if you are here, and you feel like you wanna get unlocked, you wanna overcome, you wanna deal with some of these things because you wanna step into the things God has for you. And maybe it's the rejection thing, maybe it's the offense, maybe it's been hard for you to trust God because so many things have happened to you in your life. I just wanna invite you to raise your hands. You're in good company this morning. Nobody needs to be embarrassed. We've all gone through many of these moments. And I just wanna to begin to pray. 
God, I thank you for every story. God, I thank you for every son, every daughter in the house. God, I thank you that they are called for greatness. I prophesy it to them this morning. I remind them of who they are in you, that they were called for such a time as this, that they've been brought to the kingdom for this hour and this time to do mighty things for you, Jesus. And God, right now, I rebuke every lie that has said it's not for them, it's for other people, that has said they're unworthy, that they're unqualified, that they're never gonna receive all of the things they've dreamt of. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. God, wherever, God, there's been a wound of rejection and it's led to a spirit of rejection following them in every relationship, every situation, every time they rise, it takes them out because they cannot get rid of the filter. God, right now we rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you that you can go in to past situations, past circumstances, relational wounds. God, and you can heal. You can heal. We don't need the person that did it to us to ask us for forgiveness for us to release them. We don't need them to apologize for us to heal and for us to overcome. And so God, I just declare freedom in your house today. Freedom from everything that has held us back, from everything that has trapped us, everything that has locked us out of the plans of, and purposes of God. And I wanna prophesy this morning that you are about to pass the test because you are stepping into a miracle season. You are stepping in to the greatest hour and the greatest season of your life in your family, in your marriage, in your ministry. There are things that are actually locked up inside of you that you've been overdue with. You've been needing to give birth and every time it gets to the point of giving birth, we abort the plans because of the pain and because of the pressure. But God says no more. It is a new day. It is a new hour. You are healing. You are whole and you are going to fulfill the destiny that is on your life. You are going to become everything that the Lord has called you to become. So God, we thank you for it. God, we thank you for the work that's begun today. And God, you are faithful to complete every good thing that you begin. So God, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.